Hello, and welcome to another episode in the Naxos Sounds Interesting series, an engaging potpourri of musical topics. This episode is called Repetition, Repetition, Repetition. It's difficult to think of examples in the arts where repetition is as acceptable, even essential, as it is in music. Repetition is so central to a composer's toolbox that we even have a special term for a piece of music that specifically does the opposite and shuns the idea, durchkomponiert, or through-composed, in which succeeding bars are generally all fresh and original. By repetition, I mean either the repetition of a single note, the wholesale copying of extended passages, the mimicking of melodies between different instruments or voices, keeping the outline of a melodic fragment, but simply shifting it up or down a notch in pitch. One could go on with more variations on the basic concept. The friendship between the English composer Benjamin Britten and the Russian Dmitry Shostakovich is well documented. Coincidentally, both composers made notable use of a musical form that is based on repetition, the pasakaya, or ground bass, or chacon. The form maintains a fascination in that the listener is usually completely unaware that the repetition is underpinning an entire piece, literally. A short melody is stated in the bass register and then is simply repeated again and again while the ear is diverted by the composer's deft development of melodies and textures that unfold on the surface. Centuries before Britain and Shostakovich exploited the simplicity and effectiveness of the form, another English composer, Henry Purcell, left us some beautiful 17th century examples of the Chacon. For this podcast, then, we'll top and tail with Purcell, sandwiching examples from the 20th century masters. For many people, Dido's lament from Purcell's opera Dido and Aeneas is the composer's Chacon that will first spring to mind. But I've chosen an evening hymn that opens with the words, Now that the sun hath veiled its light, this opening reflective text eventually giving way to chains of gentle hallelujahs. By the way, notice how the opening melody in the bass register, called the ground, uses a three-note motif and then simply repeats it several times, descending in pitch, repetition within repetition.
both Shostakovich and Britain revived that Baroque period practice by repeatedly writing great music in the form of a pasakaya, including interludes for their best-known operas, respectively Lady Macbeth of the Mitsensk district and Peter Grimes. They also used the form extensively in their string quartets, concerti, and other instrumental and vocal works. We'll start with the third movement of Shostakovich's first violin concerto, which provides the work's heart and soul, a nobly lamenting pasakaya. It's based on a 17-bar theme announced on cellos and basses, embellished by a portentous horn fanfare and reinforced by bold timpani strokes. Eight variations follow, of which the first gives the theme to the tuba and contrabassoon, accompanied by a haunting and chorale-like idea on cor anglais, clarinets, and bassoons. The violin soloist enters in the second variation and provides increasingly eloquent counter-themes as the main melody proceeds through various instrumental groups. A fiercely expressive climax is reached in the sixth variation, scored for strings only. By the time of the eighth and final variation, the opening material returns, pared down and subdued, with the theme given to timpani and pizzicato strings, whilst the soloist intones those initial horn fanfares. An intricate and substantial cadenza follows.
Britain's Violin Concerto is one of the composer's finest works, and one that fully stands comparison with the violin concertos of Berg, Bartok, Prokofiev, and Shostakovich. Inexplicably, the work remained relatively little known during Britain's lifetime, and it's only in recent years that its full value and significance have come to be recognized. He completed the work in September 1939. A significant source of inspiration for Britain was the rising tide of fascism in Spain and the worsening political climate, which would ultimately throw the country into civil war. In this respect, the Violin Concerto follows in the line of a number of other Britain works from this period, including Our Hunting Fathers, The Ballad of Heroes, and the Symphonia da Requiem, in which he gave artistic expression to his growing awareness and anxiety at developing world events. The concerto's finale is a passacaglia, which is solemnly introduced by the trombones. A series of variations follows, widely varied in mood and character. After a sustained climax, there's a hauntingly beautiful coda in which sequences of slow-moving orchestral chords are answered by the violin's impassioned lament. This finally trails off with a high trill of the notes F-sharp and F-natural, so that neither the major nor minor mode is established, reflecting the global tension at the time of the work's composition, with the world situation hanging in the balance, the future unknown.
Now to two opera interludes. The first from Shostakovich's Lady Macbeth of the Metziansk district, the work that infuriated Stalin at a performance he attended in 1936, leading the dictator to drive his critical pen deep into the composer's reputation and position within Soviet cultural life. The heroine of the opera, Katarina Ismailova, is trapped in a joyless, airless marriage and takes a lover who is caught and flogged by her father-in-law. In revenge, she laces the latter's food with rat poison and he dies, but not before exposing her to the priest as his murderess. As the scene ends, the Pasekaya crashes in, a massive evocation of the forces in which Katerina is entangled. <laughs>
The Pasakaya in Britain's opera Peter Grimes also carries enormous dramatic force. The work premiered in 1945, and the plot tells of the fisherman Peter Grimes, an outsider who, suspected by his fellow townspeople of cruelty to his apprentices, is hounded to his death. The Pasakaya comes between the first two scenes of Act Two. In the first scene, the people, incited to take revenge on Grimes for his maltreatment of his new apprentice, set out towards his hut. The second scene finds Grimes, ambitious to make money, the only thing others respect, urging his apprentice down the cliff to set out fishing, as the people of the borough make their threatening approach. The interludes suggest Grimes' torment, the conflict between his aspirations and reality.
We end on a lighter note, despite its minor key, with another work by Purcell, who was such an inspiration for Britain. Remember that it was a theme from Purcell's incidental music for Abdelazer that provided the basis for Britain's A Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. I've chosen Purcell's Charconi in G minor to play us out, its 18 variations above the ground bass theme unfolding so beautifully and effortlessly in little over four minutes. Just one more example of Purcell's many grounds for success.
Thank you for tuning in to this Naxos Sounds Interesting podcast. For the text version, visit blog.naxos.com, where you'll also find an alternative audio series devoted exclusively to new releases from Naxos.